Hello, and welcome to another episode of F Cancer. With you, I am Tom Riley. With me is Chloe, otherwise known as Cousin Chloe. Hello, Chloe. Hello. So, um, been a while since we talked. Been a uh, more than a couple of weeks. Uh, you've got some new exciting uh, stuff that you've been doing, and uh, and I've had all kinds of uh, uh, changes in what's going on. So, I'm trying to think. You know what we were talking about when we were last, uh, you know, really deep into a a discussion. I I think it was what we were calling the middle place, uh, which was the uh, the language that I used to to kind of describe how I felt um, for you know whatever it was five five or six months where um, my numbers had gotten down real low and uh, I was feeling generally you know good and chemo had become, you know, pretty much a routine. And, uh, and one of the things that I, that was really odd for me and that, that I found myself exploring a lot was, um, the oddness of, um, feeling like you're waiting for a shoe to drop or, you know, you're, you're, you're happy to have a, a good day, but the days can kind of blend together or blur together. And, um, and, and it very much, I don't know if, uh, if, the, if the language is quite right, but it, it just kind of had that feel of a middle place where you know there's stuff yet to come, you know that you've already overcome a lot, and you're just kind of waiting to see, uh, you know, how that's going to actually play out. And uh, that's that's been a, a, a really, you know, defining kind of characteristic of, of pretty much how I would describe from probably around the you know, Thanksgiving holiday, uh, up until, uh, up until just recently, you know, maybe even a little bit before that. And, uh, and this came out of, uh, you, you were, your numbers had gotten low, which is a good thing. Um, right. and so as a, and so as a result, you got kind of like a bonus week, right? Like, so there used to be the weekly, you know, chemo, then it was the week recovering from chemo and yeah. then it was a week leading up to chemo and preparing. And then all of a sudden now there's this bonus week where there's just, nothing like yeah, you just get I, to be a human and was, relax and whatever yeah i yeah I, it, it, it was a strange it was it was strange i didn't know what to do with myself because i had gotten so used to chemo being every other week and so you know kind of my whole schedule was defined as either i'm about to have chemo or i just had chemo so i just had chemo then i'm in kind of recovering from it or i'm about to have chemo i'm planning for it and 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 uh and and my schedule kind of revolved around that and then because my numbers were doing so well um we decided to switch from every other week to every third week and just to give my body more time to recover in between and to hopefully stretch out the amount of time that the the chemo remained effective and it was uh it was really an odd feeling i all of a sudden had an extra week plopped in where i was neither just having gotten past chemo nor was i planning for the next one and um while it was great and and especially good physically um you know because just that extra time of of not having the poison in your system is just great um but emotionally it was it was really um kind of an odd place i did not i didn't know what to do with myself i i uh there were times where i actually felt like guilty like I should be starting something else or doing something else because I have this extra week and you know I mean just and I know that's you know my own psychosis but um 
it, it was a it, it was mentally really that uh, was a lot more challenging than I expected it to be. In fact, I, it wasn't it wasn't anything I anticipated at all um, when when we first talked about going to the, to every third week. Um, but almost immediately um, from that very first time when we had the extra time, it was it was like this. It was like planning for a two week vacation, and all of a sudden it becomes a three week vacation. And you already did everything. Like you already did all the things on vacation that you were supposed to do. And you played shuffleboard and you did, I mean, like all of the different things. You went to the alpaca farm. Right. And now you're kind of, uh, there's nothing else and you just still have another week. Um, I don't know, weird, weird metaphor to call it like vacation. But I mean, it did have that kind of feeling of you had planned or you were accustomed to a particular thing. And then, and then when it got changed, even though it was for the good, um, it, it definitely uh, put me off my game for a bit. Well, I, re- I remember you were talking to me and you, were, you, you just had a couple of good descriptions about what that part of what that period felt like or things that were happening. And a couple of the things were um, like my family, we're all starting to annoy each other again, meaning, just like a normal family that isn't yes. like on high alert for, oh, dad, you know, or yes. husband, you could, you know, oh, I'm worried. It's just, oh, you're, yep, you're okay, and you're getting on my nerves. That was, that was actually, like, a, oh, yeah. okay. that was a beautiful <laughs> part it. about it was, um, you know, when, when, when you're thinking dad could die anytime now, um, you know, you just, it, it's, it's a lot harder to get, um, you know, irritated with each other about little things. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, it's right in your face all the time. And, you know, there were times when I was doing, it, it, you could not be in your face. You know, I couldn't get out of a chair, you know, or, um, you know, literally would need help getting up to, to, to go to the bathroom. And um, so when it's that in your face, everything becomes artificial. You know, everything becomes a- around that. And w- the middle place was very much just normal life. And so you could, you know, be annoyed with each other. You could, you just, it, it became very much of the way real life is when you're not um, also having that cloud over your head. Yeah. yeah. And I, I remember too, you were saying that like you described uh, just like that discomfort or like that feeling of I should be doing something. And yeah. I remember you were telling me too, that um, you thought like, should I go back to work? Yeah. Should I be Shouldn't there be some big project that maybe I'm supposed to be starting? And oh, tell me, like, what was that about, or what was that feeling? I mean, I think I think part of that is just um, I, I've always been busy, and and I've always had, and I mean, look at what we're doing now. I mean, I, I started a podcast, uh, you know, facing a terminal cancer diagnosis. I mean, you know, I obviously have motivations to do things, and sometimes that's really good and, and is helpful for me, and sometimes it gets a little ridiculous, and I find myself like, well, wait a minute, you, you're, you're trying to do too much. Um, and, uh, but in that, in that middle place, um, I did, I did, it, it actually, see, it, it's, it was really easy when I was just a professional patient and I was either recovering from or preparing for chemo to, to honestly look at myself and say, there's no way I could have a normal person's business schedule. Um, I can't even predict one day out whether I'm going to sleep half the day. Like I slept 15 hours the other day and last night I slept eight. Uh, I actually feel way better this morning waking up with, with only eight hours of sleep um, than I did the other one with 15, but I've been averaging 12 hours of sleep and not always on a, on a, a, a particular rhythm. 
it's really hard to work in a schedule when you're working with, you know, hospital executives on their schedule to try and, you know, have meetings and stuff. And I might or might not be available and I might not know until, you know, 15 minutes before whether I'm going to be, you know, what days um, can I plan and and have a high confidence that I'm going to do all right? Uh, You know, probably three or four days out of every two weeks are really um, predictable. Um, but that's hard to work a schedule around. Um, and the kind of work that I did doesn't lend itself to, I can do a couple hours here and there. I'm either in and owning a client or, or, or a project or, or driving, um, you know, some, some key initiative that we're doing, or I'm not. And it's very difficult to be in the in-between, but I kept feeling like I should be doing something because now I didn't just have three or four days that were predictable. I might have, you know, seven or eight days that were predictable. And, um, uh, so again, I, I, I don't think that there was any real sanity in it as much as just like me feeling that urge to, um, to be busy, to be productive, to be, to be doing something, to move the needle in some way. And, uh, um, you know, and, and as once again, I'm reminded that the, your perception of, what's going on and, and, and what's going on in, in inside my body or in, inside my head or, or whatever, um, how quickly that can change uh, the perspective. You know, I, I went from, you know, working 60 or 70 hours a week easy um, for seven or eight straight years um, with TapCloud and, and most of the time, including weekends. I mean, it just I didn't have an off switch. I just kind of was working most most all the time. Um, and then I got this diagnosis and I, I mean, instantly I, I, I called the guys and just said, you know, I, I, I'm out. Um, and maybe I'll, maybe in a couple months I'll be in a different place, but right now I couldn't even imagine, um, getting myself, getting my head into the right place to have a, a coherent meeting or to, to do the job. Um, but then in the middle place, I started to feel like, well, maybe, you know, maybe there's, uh, maybe there's a way to do this. And, uh, and then, and then I've recently gotten some news, which we'll talk about in in a little bit. And, and once again, it, it is remarkable how quickly, um, with just a, you know, a single piece of news or, or a new piece of information that can just shut off and, and once again, go back to a place of, um, no, my priorities are are uh, in a different place, and they need to be with in the place that they are right now. Right, right. I remember something that you were talking to me about a little while ago that's connected to this, which was um, back in those days of the you know the sixty hour, seventy hour you know work week. Sometimes, and obviously, mm-hmm. you're somebody who's you know you're running your own company, so that that can happen. But I remember you were saying that you know there were times maybe multiple times or at least one time where you know you really uh like it sounded like from what you're telling me that it was like starting to hit you in a way where you were just like how do I make this stop or like how do I turn this off or how do I like how have I gotten sort of trapped in this not not the work itself but the you know just like you said, not having the off switch and just go, 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 go. Yeah. It was it was especially hard. It was especially hard for me because um I I let my whole identity um, become like linked, entangled with um, the company, and um, and this was 
for multiple reasons and, and none of them bad individually. And, and I, and I still think that I probably couldn't have accomplished what I did if I didn't have that, that kind of passion, um, because you need something to, to help you get through. But, um, you know, first I, you know, as a founder of the company, it was, it was a, an original idea I had. Um, um, so it wasn't derivative of, of something that was out there. It was truly a, what if you, you know, could know this information and, and, and how could you use it? Um, it, it and, was so and give closely us just a little, linked. Give us just a little summary of TapCloud just in case somebody's coming to, sure, this, sure. to this episode without the other ones. So, well, so th- this is where I was about to, to go with this is it was also um, not just my idea, but it was uh, inextric- inextricably linked to my mom um, because it was during her battle with ovarian cancer that I really came to understand um, what this, what the power of this was. And so the, the, the core of the idea was from a patient's perspective, they just see a bunch of different descriptions of how they're feeling. They tap on different words, but that information then goes through an engine that we built for over a hundred different diagnoses, which says for this diagnosis, this combination of symptoms is a warning sign. And then it actually flags a a message to the, the physician or nursing team or hospital staff that are responsible for that patient and actually says not just, Hey, there's something going on with this patient, but Hey, here's what's been happening over the last seven days. Here's why we're flagging the alert to you. And they can proactively reach out to the patient. It, it's really cool. So you can see why I would want to spend time doing this. I mean, this was something really cool. And, and it was it was an, an original idea I had. Um, how would I watch for whether a, a drug was helping me or, or was having side effects? Well, only if I did the research on that drug. And, and only if I looked at that drug in comparison or in combination with other over-the-counter medications I'm taking or knowing what a particular uh, disease or syndrome or something that I have, you know, and, and again, it compounds so that the reality is that the average person's just no way they're ever going to be able to know that stuff. Uh, and even if they did, they wouldn't necessarily know what to do with the information. Um, so, so anyway, and that, I, that was part of why I, I got really caught up in it was, it was, it, it was so personal to me. And when I, applied what I learned from this and and when we were building early prototypes of it early enough that my mom actually got to use it before she passed away um we we had such a sense of of how it could help and and so many of my mom's experiences and stories became the motivation for us to build it the way we did and to take the approach that we did um and so any Thing that happened, good or bad, with TapCloud, it was like it was happening to me personally, um, and uh, and I and really until I got my diagnosis, I, I was never really fully able to separate that in a healthy way, where most people can go to their job and feel good or bad about themselves, but their the the status of their company doesn't have a huge uh, impact on on how they're how they personally feel, what they feel as their own self-worth. And uh, mine, mine got very, very much caught up in that, which led to all kinds of issues with uh, uh, depression and anxiety, which I've talked about before. And, uh, uh, you know, long preceded um, my cancer diagnosis. And, uh, and I think one of the most interesting things is that uh, about four or five months ago, um, I actually titrated off and, and stopped taking the... Uh, um, SSRIs, the uh, um, Zoloft, 
that I had been taking, um, and uh, and did so not because I felt like I wanted to stop taking the meds or didn't like the way they made me feel, but because I literally felt centered and felt good and 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 didn't struggle with the things that I had been struggling with when I uh, when I started taking that were the reason that I started taking them in the first place. So it was a very weird kind of uh, uh, last few years for me. Uh, and then the diagnosis in July um, was just kind of the, uh, uh, the final um, uh, uh, switch from being completely all in and, and tied up to it to a point where um, I, I couldn't even separate my own identity from, from the company I'd started um, to basically being uninvolved uh, overnight. It's very weird. I I feel like that's so interesting talking about identities and the different identities because, I mean, that's just everybody does that and everybody gets wrapped up, allows themselves to get wrapped up in something that then becomes their identity. And like you said, oftentimes having so much of your identity in one bucket ends up backfiring in a big way because if that bucket goes under or if something happens, like like getting a cancer diagnosis, uh, your identity is suddenly you know, like almost poofed or something like it's, yeah. you realize, I guess, how much of that has been tied up in one spot. What, what, what have your, been your observations about like identity as you move through, you know, cancer diagnosis, you know, being a patient, having to, do you, do you find yourself wrestling in the same way with, yeah. I'm not just a patient. I'm not just this. I'm not just and how do you how do you find yourself looking at that? Do you find you looking at it more clearly now than like say when you were you know sixty to seventy hours at Tap Cloud? Yeah, is there a difference you think now? Well, I mean, yeah, my identity and 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 everything got quite a shock to the system because um, I mean, uh, said most plainly, um, you know, I kind of expected that at you know a minimum I had. 30 years left, you know, to, to still accomplish things and, and see things and learn things and do things. Um, so the reset that happens when you get a, you know, stage four pancreatic cancer diagnosis, um, is, is fairly all encompassing. You know, it wasn't just a question of, um, uh, resetting a few plans. This was, you know, like foundationally, I'm not going to be here for another 30 years, not even close to that. And, and so, uh, who I am, what I do with the time that I have, um, uh, what are my intentions, what are my goals, how do you set goals um, uh, when you have such a short amount of time and uh, the uncertainty that comes with it. Um, so it's, 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 uh, it's definitely looking at it through a different lens. Um, in some ways, it's less complicated i i don't want to say or or suggest that there's anything even remotely that's good about it but i I guess i would say in some ways um while it's incredibly painful to think about um you know it's a little less complicated um uh i probably won't have to do taxes next year um you know I, i mean i know but you know i make jokes um oh geez louise yeah but how about, I, I mean, I, I want to ask you a question. I mean, this is, I, uh, I always know what, 
uh, facial expression I'm going to get for you when I uh, make a comment like that. And uh, for those of this, for those of you who are listening to this in a podcast, you're just hearing the audio. But Chloe and I are, uh, you know, can always see each other when we're having these discussions. And uh, and I know when I say something like that, uh, you know, that you'll have a eye rolling moment, but that it also really hits you on a on a personal level. Um, and you know, I've I've been wanting to ask you, you know, for a while about this experience from your side. You know, I, I know why I'm doing this and, and um, you know, kind of sharing my experience of what I'm going through. But this, you know, podcast wouldn't exist if, if you hadn't also jumped into this and, um, and really have made this, uh, you know, equal partners in, in figuring this out and getting it to this point. But I sometimes think to myself, like, how hard it must be... Um, for you, I mean, you know, you were a flower girl in my wedding. I mean, we, we've been really close, um, you know, since you were born, uh, I feel like. And, uh, and we talk about some pretty tough stuff on here and do it in a very direct and sometimes even, you know, bad joke way. But, I mean, how, how has this experience been for you? That is a good question. Um, yeah, I feel like... Uh, you know, complex is a good word. Is a word that comes to mind. Like, yeah, um, yeah it's it's been both. Uh, I, you know, the funniest thing is when people ask me about it, I have a hard time talking about it when they ask about the podcast because I have friends, you know, who are or people who listened, you know, and who are mm-hmm. just like, oh, so how's the podcast? Or you know, when's the next episode? And um, you know, I don't know. It's like it feels like there haven't been words invented in the English language to talk about. How's the podcast you're doing with your cousin who's dying? And, you know, yeah. you're like, uh, I don't know how to answer that. Like, it's good or it's fun or, you know, yeah. it's, I don't know, like, it, it's terrible. Like, it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> there's so many words and it's like I need them to all mesh into one word or yeah. maybe like a word cloud. I need to be, I need my own tap cloud to be tapping on because, yeah, there's a lot of different words. And so it, it's like... Um, feels kind of hard to talk about. I know that... Uh, I feel you know, like if I had to say, one, if I tried to distill that game into just like one word, and I don't, I don't you know, it's, I would actually say it's important. And I think oh. that's been the, I mean, that, that to me, if I was going to try and do it, and that was just off the top of my head there, but um, it feels like we're having an important conversation. And I think knowing what some of the other people that we're going to be talking with in, um, in the future and some of the conversations that we're going to have um, going into the medical community with doctors who work in uh, palliative and hospice care and even um, uh, folks who are advocates for um, more patient choice um, at, at the very end of life. Um, it, I, I think we're gonna. Uh, I think we're gonna explore some really interesting uh, things going forward. But I, I, I do. I mean, for me, this isn't. F- there are aspects of it that are fun, just because I'm spending time with my cousin, and um, and it's just there are aspects of it that just are kind of fun. You know, I'm playing with the the, the equipment and learning all this new stuff to to make this happen. Um, but uh, but certainly. I don't feel at the end of one of our discussions like, wow, that was a blast. You know, I, I usually need a little time to decompress after we talk. Um, but I do think it's important. Yeah, no, important. That is a really, that's a really good word. Um, 
That is a really good word. Yeah, I think, I think that, I guess some of the, you know, yeah, no, important is great. I keep going. That's really, it's hard to get past that because that's really, that feels right. Um, I know that, you know, there's just times where it's like, you know, if you step too far back from the getting, they're getting to record is important. It's, I don't know. I like the exchange. I like getting to work with you creatively. That's just a blast. You know, to me, that's kind of a blast. And, um, but yeah, when you take too far a step back, you know, there's days where I'm editing this and I'm like, this is weird. (laughs) You know, like, like it's weird to have to make editorial decisions about, Oh no, we don't want, you know, no, this part's getting a little boring and slow. Okay. Let's cut that. Let's get to the good. Let's get to the good stuff. It's like, if you think about that too hard, you're like, uh, what did I just do? And what did, what kind of thought did I just think? Like, this is strange. Um, I know I kind of think of it a little bit too, uh, this is not sound pretentious at all, but sometimes I just think I don't hear a lot of things like this, you know, generally like in, on, in podcasting and, um, you know, sometimes I just think of it more like art and not the high art, you know, not the capital A art, but just like the thing that you return back to and you just keep doing it, you know, yeah. like you just keep creating you and I've talked about creation, you know, and creating yeah. before. And it's like, it, you just do it, you do it imperfectly. And there's days where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And there's days where you really feel like you hit something. It's like you said, like you're hitting something honest and important. Capturing and, a truth. Yeah. And, yeah. and just the, I don't know, for me, it's just the coming back to it. Like just keep continuing to come back to it and keep trying. Um, you know, like, I don't know, that feels important. Yeah. That that feels like part of the important part you're talking about. So right. we've teased that I got some news um, recently, which is kind of the uh, the the change from the the middle place, uh, which is where you know I'd been since the fall, and uh, so um, let me uh, let me just bring everybody up to speed on that and uh, and uh, and get that out of the way. So. Um, Starting probably in in uh, uh, January, uh, we noticed that the uh, CA nineteen score, which is uh, uh, all you need to know, is it's a blood test that I get every two or three weeks, depending on my chemo schedule. And lower is better, so you know zero is you've got no cancer in you. Uh, it's an imperfect marker, but it it, it is essentially um, each different type of cancer has a different. Uh, marker and the one that for mine for pancreatic cancer is the CA19. Uh, for my mom with her ovarian cancer was a CA125. But anyway, so back in January, uh, we saw that the CA19 score had kind of bottomed out. Now it had gotten to almost to zero. It was down to like um, under 50, under 60. It might have even gotten as low as like the high 30s. I can't remember the exact number. Um, and, uh, had actually ticked up, um, for the first time, um, remembering that when I started this, my first CA-19 score was 16,734. So it was, it was an enormous, uh, number and it had dropped down precipitously when I started the first chemo. So, um, uh, we had known from the start that this, chemo works for a certain amount of time and then it loses its effectiveness. And this is true of pretty much all chemo. Uh, It loses its effectiveness and then 
you know, this is, this would be what would happen is the curve would start changing shape and, um, and went from decreasing to flattening to, to going up a little bit. And in the past couple months, we've seen it go from, um, let's say 60 or so 50 or 60, which was the low point. And it went up to 119, then it went up to 224. And then I just got my, um, latest, uh, one, which is, uh, 434. So it's going up and it's going up more exponentially than linearly, um, so, you know, almost almost doubling each of the last um, three times. And obviously when things go up that way, they can go up really fast um, as the numbers start to get up. If it continues to double, I could be in the eight or nine hundreds um, at the very next, you know, in a couple of weeks. Uh, so hopefully it's it's not really uh, holding on to that trajectory. And um, so... I went in and, and we did a CT scan, um, which we did to confirm that the CA-19 is reflecting what's actually going on inside my body. So CA-19 is a blood test, but it's giving you a sense of what's going on. You still want to get eyes on it to see what's happening. So I got my CT scan results back, and um, it basically confirmed what the, the blood test was showing and, uh, and, and did uh, identify a number of new uh, tumor growths on my liver, um, which, is, uh, which are in new locations. So it isn't just something that was there before that had gotten really tiny and come back. There, there's some new growths, um, as well as some things that had been there before that are, that are growing again. Um, and, uh, so that this, obviously the confirmation blood test is, and, and the observed results are the same. So we changed my chemo cocktail. Uh, so I'm on the other main pancreatic cancer regimen, which is gemcitabine and abroxane. Um, so it's a true two drug combo, um, instead of like three or four that I had before. And instead of six hours in the chair for infusion and then a pump that I take home that stays connected to my, to my port for another three days, pump it really slowly pumping some chemo in. Um, I'm just done, uh, when the infusion is done. So, uh, that's one nice thing about this is, uh, uh, instead of a six hour day in the chair and then three days of, uh, lugging this, uh, pump around and, uh, I, I just have, uh, about two hours or so of infusion and I'm done. Uh, the bad side is uh, we still have to play the odds game. Uh, there's no guarantee that this uh, chemo works well for me or, or technically that my tumors respond to this chemo. Um, I responded incredibly well to the last chemo, um, so we're very optimistic. Um, but uh, they're not necessarily correlated, so you could respond to one and not the other. You could respond to both. You could respond to neither. Um, hopefully I'm a both. And, uh, and if so, and if I have a response, then we'll see it first show up in the, uh, in the CA-19 and then we'll do another, uh, CT scan in about two months and same, same cycle. I've been doing it this way for, you know, since July is every couple of months I get a CT in between I've gotten multiple different, uh, blood tests and we, we make sure that they're telling the same story. And, uh, in this case, what we want to see is that, uh, CA flatten out, uh, ideally, even drop back down again, but even just flattening out would be great. Uh, and then when we do the, the future CT scan, they'll be looking at those exact spots that they saw in the previous one. So they'll be saying, you know, did these new growths uh, get affected by this, uh, by this chemo? So um, optimistically, 
um, that uh, I do respond to it and respond to it well. Uh, this one's profile has uh, about the same as the last one, about six months. Um, so um, in a month or so, hopefully, um, we'll be having a conversation about the second wave of the middle place um, and, uh, and whether uh, it's any different the second time around. But that would, that would mean kind of a going into a holding pattern, uh, same as before, for some number of months, averages around six. Um, and if it doesn't work, then that means that uh, the numbers continue to go up and, uh, and then we're into a you know, much more urgent uh, kind of next, uh, next handful of months. And then it's really just what part of my body... Um, you know, has uh, difficulty. Does the, the liver start, you know, creating enzymes to create problems or does it uh, cause other issues? I'm eating really well right now, um, which has been really the one positive out of the last uh, couple months is that yes, please, I... Uh, please, please tell us about bagels and yeah, uh, the delicious my new, fr- and the delicious fruit spreads. Yeah, I... Uh, you know, as anybody who's listened before knows, the the relationship with food gets really weird when you're when you're. Well, I can only speak for myself, but with pancreatic cancer, um, and uh, I don't feel hungry um, the way I used to. Um, oftentimes, food makes me feel you know ill or just not does not sound appealing even foods that i uh, loved in the past sometimes just have no appeal to them sometimes i just have to put food in my mouth and chew um just to to keep calories coming in um and then other times i can kind of trick myself i call it like food porn i get myself really excited about (laughs) some particular thing and it it could be as simple as mcdonald's uh, french fries um or it could be you know a really particular order from a chinese place that i love um but it's it's almost like I have to uh, fantasize and get really excited about the food, and then I have to order it right away before it passes. Um, and those are two kind of one of them is elephant eating, um, which is what I call it when you just put food in your mouth and chew. Uh, I've watched a lot of documentaries on elephants in the in the past six months. I'm fascinated by them, and uh, and one of my observations was, man, nothing that they eat looks like it tastes good. And they never seem excited about it. They just, but you know what? Sometimes you just got to grab a branch and eat it. Just chew it up like, and whatever. And uh, and if they can do it, they, I can do it. So they're like, they're, they're like giant cows or something. Yeah. I'm picturing a, a cow. Yeah, with, yeah only like, they also eat, tip over trees and eat the branches too on top of it. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're just herbivores. They just eat, you know, branches and leaves and, and grasses and um, so that that's my, my one strategy, which I call elephant eating, and then uh, food porn is the other one. Which uh, so so uh, one of my uh, food porn examples, which I think is is helping me a lot right now, is there was a particular type of um, preserves, like uh, you know jam preserves type things, and at high end restaurants, I would find uh, because I traveled for you know, decades, uh, for, for my work and having a good breakfast, uh, when you're on the road, is like one of the, the few upsides of, of traveling a lot is they usually have pretty good breakfasts, especially if you're staying at a decent restaurant. And I found that most of the high end restaurants and hotels that I would stay at had the same brand of Pacific mountain strawberry preserves. 
And, you know, just these little cups, um, you know, just uh, you'd pe- peel the foil off the top and it would be single serving. But um, I always loved it. And I would actually, I think there have been times where I've chosen my hotel based on the fact that I knew they had that and I would have a good breakfast and get to have this, these preserves. And uh, what is it? Say it again. Pacific, Pacific Mountain, Mountain Strawberry Preserves. The, I'll send you photos. The official sponsor of yes, Cancer. That's right. And you, please, you're welcome. Preserves. Yes, you are welcome to be a sponsor. <laughs> Ego Waffle. We're still waiting for your call. Um, please, Ego. But uh, we're here. The exactly. What are you waiting for? Um, Seriously. So the uh, so I had this pop into my head just totally out of nowhere and I got ex- and my food porn side kicked in and I was like oh man I remember those those were so good and I um and so I actually went out and googled them and found that you can buy them on Amazon and I actually almost bought the restaurant like it like a, a restaurant distributor um the first thing that I put in my cart was like 200 count half ounce packets and I was like wait a minute that doesn't sound right um and so I went back and double checked and and uh I did I almost ordered like a huge box full of of tiny little half ounce packets but uh switched that up and and got uh got four 10 ounce jars of these preserves which I had only ever had in restaurants out of these little foil packets and um it was fantastic it was just like I remembered it, it got me all excited. We went out and got fresh bagels and English muffins. And so every day I eat like at least two bagels or a bagel and an English muffin and just slather it with butter and oh. strawberry preserves. For those of you who are new to this, my doctors and my nutritionists just want me to gain weight uh, any way I can. So, you know, when I asked if I could have fries, they said, no, you should have cheese fries. Um, can I have a bacon this cheeseburger? Just, no, have a double bacon cheeseburger. Uh, so they, they're thrilled. Normally hear yes, your things you don't normally hear. And, uh, and if your doctor starts telling you that, it's probably not good news. Um, but anyway, uh, in the last week, I've put on like four and a half pounds. Um, and I also finished one full 10-ounce jar of strawberry preserves in six days. Uh, and I and and I don't think it's just the preserves, but I think it's the the bagel, the eating it multiple times a day, the 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 certainly the amount of butter and jelly or jam that I'm putting on is 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 extreme, uh, but it tastes so good. And uh, I mean, just you talking about it, Tommy. I'm like, that's the food porn. Preserves, get me my carbs. I'm telling you, you're doing you're doing a great sale. And I and I'm up. I'm I'm up. Uh, my weight is higher than it's been in uh, in months and months, and uh, I'm I'm ready to break another milestone weight. I'm not going to do the actual weights because nobody cares about the exact numbers, and you'll all freak out if you heard how skinny I actually was. But uh, um, I'm I'm excited about crossing another uh, threshold in just a half a pound. And, uh, and again, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I notice it, I, I feel better and, uh, I have more energy and I'm eating, uh, more full meals and, and really getting into it. So yeah, I've rotated through a lot of, uh, foods and I've focused on breakfast foods, uh, interestingly enough, over the time between, uh, the waffles and pancakes and, uh, and now these and the breakfast sandwiches, which is my staple. I always go to McDonald's and get a sausage, uh, egg and cheese, uh, McMuffin, um, on my way to chemo. So that's my, my standard every, every time we go, uh, stop and get, get some food in me before chemo and and now 
the bagels and strawberry preserves. So it's tough. It, it This was not unexpected news, but it certainly wasn't welcome news at the same time. And uh, uh, it took me, you know, probably a couple days to kind of process um, because the other thing about the middle place that was so great was that it let me not think about time as part of every single conversation. And um, it, it didn't mean that time wasn't still a part of of every conversation in the background, but it wasn't in the foreground and I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. And so now when, when somebody says, um, you know, right now in the period that I'm in, because there's all the uncertainty about whether I'm going to respond to this chemo and everything, if somebody says to me, um, well, we're going to plan a big party for your birthday in July. Um, you know, in my head, I really quickly go April, May, June, July. Yeah, I hope so. You know, but I don't, uh, whereas, whereas before I would have just said, yeah, great. That sounds fantastic. Let's plan a party. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that, that, that it's necessarily that, uh, that bad or that urgent or, or that something is, is going to happen in that time frame. but time is back into all that kind of stuff now. Uh, and that was, uh, that was, I think in retrospect, the biggest gift of the middle place was, um, you could just forget about that. Um, that aspect and that sense of uh, uh, having to do the math in your head every time you had a conversation that was about more than a week or two in the future. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping you're going to be a both. Yeah. You're going to be a both a both person. I'm a both both of the above. I, you're both. But you know what? And on the other hand, um, you know, it also uh, having the renewed. Uh, sense of urgency um, is also, you know, part of the reason that we're back on the phone right now and, and trying to pick back up and, and get uh, a good schedule and and get a lot more of these recorded. And it, and there's a bunch of other things that I want to do and that I'm starting to do, uh, including like uh, reading books like Goodnight Moon and stuff uh, to my future grandkids. Um, you know, because I can, and, um, and there's no reason not to, and, you know, how cool would that be? So, um, you know, that would have been something that I, I would have actively avoided in the middle place because it, um, it felt too, um, fatalistic to, to want to do it. Uh, I enjoyed not thinking about time all the time, um, but uh, at the same time, I want to do these things, and there's a there's a handful of of other things like that that uh, uh, I still want to do while I'm feeling uh, you know really good and and up for it and everything. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, there's a bunch more, and including something that uh, I'll just put a teaser out there right now that I I call the Afterlife Project. Uh, which ironically started as an idea sitting out on my deck. Um, the very night that I got diagnosed, we were all sitting out on the deck, uh, the whole family and, uh, and, and we had moved past the crying and hugging phase and were kind of in a, uh, trying to laugh and, uh, and just, you know, enjoy each other's company and, and be together. And, uh, and one of my, uh, kids, uh, believes in ghosts and I think 
uh, another one might be skeptical and another one might be kind of in between and uh, and we started talking about it and I said all right well hey let's see what we can do to see if we can't figure that out together and so um, as morbid and weird as it sounds um, we have been talking about like what would that look like and how would I communicate from beyond and um, and how would uh, how would how would that work and uh, and we're going to talk about that a lot on this podcast because uh, it's an unbelievably fascinating question and uh, there is no shortage of opinions out there and no shortage of YouTube videos you can watch to get background and I think we're taking our own approach to this and it's pretty unique and um, kind of a blend of um, science uh, mixed in with uh, the kind of uh, faith or, or acceptance of the supernatural that would be required to to do a project like this, and we're trying to walk that line and uh, and actually answer the question. Um, so, uh, more to come on that in the uh, in the future. The but afterlife. that's another one that's you know like something that we've been talking about since last July. But I. I I didn't really want to do more than the initial organizing that I did on it and, and thinking um, because it just had a feeling of a little bit too fatalistic for me. So um, uh, this actually is, is pumping up some of those projects that I, that I still want to do. That's great. Uh, well, Tommy, you want to, you want to, you want to take us home? Sure. Man, every time we talk, I uh, I find that we end up going to places that I kind of thought we would in the discussion, but we always end up uh, by keeping this kind of open and not being really structured about how we do everything, we end up going to some really cool places. So thank you, Chloe, for doing something that I know is hard and uh, and something that we both think is important. And uh, thanks for helping me get through this. It means a lot to me. For all the rest of you, you just listened to a podcast. You didn't do anything all that difficult. I hope this was meaningfully for you in some way. And uh, remember, I love you.